0: Did you know nuclear energy is America's largest full-time source of climate-friendly power? In fact, nuclear energy provides about 50% of the country's carbon-free electricity. That's almost as much as all the solar panels, wind turbines, hydroelectric dams, and all other clean energy sources combined. Energy Northwest is a premier provider of carbon-free electricity in the Pacific Northwest. Its mission is to provide safe, reliable, Cost effective, responsible power generation and innovative energy and business solutions to its public power members and regional customers. To learn more about Energy Northwest, visit our website at energy-northwest.com. That's energy-northwest.com. Welcome to News Data's Energy West, a podcast about the energy industry today and where it's going tomorrow. Hello, I'm News Data
1: reporter Dan Catchpole, joined with me, uh, joined by my co host and editor of News Data's uh, California Energy Markets, Jason Fordney. We're here with some of the top stories we've been working on lately. But first, Jason, how are you doing this week?
0: Doing great, Dan. Did you have a good weekend?
1: I did. It was a uh, very, very boring weekend, which was great yeah. actually. Um, but it's one of those weekends, uh, where you just realize, you are know, like, yep, I have three
0: kids and I'm middle-aged <laughs> and you know, that's just, and life is great. So yeah, quiet can be good. No news is good news. So yeah, I, I do the parenting thing too. had have my daughter, we, uh, took her piano lessons and I took my first vocal lesson. So I'm, I'm exploring, um, Singing, yeah, going to be in a musical here locally in Nevada City. Just kind of excited about that. Oh, that is exciting. What's the musical? It's called, uh, Marion's Fire. It's set during the Spanish Inquisition and it's about, um, a little town where the inquisitors show up and Marion rouses the townspeople to fight the inquisitors. So yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. This should be fun. We'll be at the Nevada Theater. Who do you play? I play Are a you guy an Inquisitor? named Inquisitor. Yes. Well, he's actually yeah. a double agent. He he he's on the side of the townspeople, but he's one of the guards. He's a kind of a menacing character named delicious Delicia. So, ah. Delicious. Yeah. And then um ah. actually I have two roles. Right. Yeah. And another guy is a real um a real Inquisitor. So yeah, should be fun.
1: Well, sounds like Sounds sounds like it'll be fun. I've you know they always, they've uh, yeah. always heard people say that the best roles to play are the villains. So,
0: yeah, I would think.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I buy it. They seem like, yeah, I don't want to be typecast or anything, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well,
1: hopefully, we won't lose you uh, too soon to the stage. I think there's a small chance of that, Dan. Very small. Uh, but you know? the, you're. But you're saying there's a chance. That's You never
0: know. You just never there
1: know. There you go. Uh, so mm-hmm. you heard it first here, <laughs> dear listeners. Well, uh, so what do you got for us this week? You've got some big news coming out of California. It's so certainly uh, something that all the West is watching.
0: I do. It's um, the long-awaited passage by or approval by the CAISO board and EIM board, that's energy and balance market boards, of the extended day-ahead market across the EIM, something we discussed a lot. And then I'll be talking about uh, solar inverters still being a risk after incidents in 2021 in California and Texas and also happened in Texas last year. So some some problems need to be addressed with inverters. Yeah. What do you have for yeah, us? It's,
1: yeah. Well, so I've got uh, some policy making or lawmakers and uh okay. Portland are looking at some policies to move along uh, electrification of transportation. And then uh, some, uh, you know, the commissioners from the Northwest talking about everything that's on their plate, and it's a lot. And then an update on the um, Northern Plains Connector Project uh, to build a new transmission line connecting the Midwest and and, uh, Montana.
0: So why don't you get us started with EDAM? All right, well, uh, February 1st, the CAISO, that's California Independent System Operator, Board of Governors, and the EIM governing body approved the EDAM, something we've discussed here and covered quite a bit. This was about a year in the making. Um, this extends the day ahead market across the EIM footprint. Still needs to be approved by Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, but um, yeah, a pretty big milestone for Western energy markets. Kaiso said it held about eighty meetings and workshops on this. Had fifteen hundred pages of comments. Um, they also approved some other transmission uh, service and market scheduling priority rules. But as we know, the the EDAM, as we call it, extended day-ahead market, is uh, intended to better optimize the generation and storage resources as well as transmission capability across the EIM, which is now covering not the entirety of ten states, but Touches ten states, um, Kaiso staff and said and board members said there's a lot more work to be done on it, but in, it really enjoys broad support. I think it's fairly uh, widely um, approved kind of concept here. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of details to it. Balancing authorities and EDM will retain their responsibility for resource planning, transmission planning, reliability actions. The dam is due for implementation third or fourth quarter of next year. I can just briefly describe there's three major areas of benefits, economic benefits as it optimizes unit commitment. This is estimated to cause savings between 543 million and 1.2 billion per year. Second category would be reliability benefits, better operational visibility into supply conditions and coordination third area of benefits will be environmental benefits, including reduced curtailment of renewables and ability to take evolving state policies into account, such as greenhouse gas policies. So that'll be sent to FERC and uh, probably a lot of discussion there. But yeah, big step for, for Western energy markets this is one of the big trending topics here in the West. Along with uh, other things like transportation electrification. You've got some yeah. some news on that. Yeah,
1: so up in Oregon, lawmakers in the state legislature are looking at a bill to incentivize adoption of heavy-duty electric trucks. They so in 2021, the state adopted uh, a rule that manufacturers have to increase the number of zero emission truck sales in the state and the targets, uh, to seven to 11% of all state sales in 2024. But the new report says a report from late last year says that, uh, the, those trucks are still supposed to cost way above or considerably far above, um, the price of gas powered vehicles by next year. God, 2024 is next year. Uh, so they're looking at a $15 million package to offer a rebate program to mm-hmm. help, uh, you know, trucking companies and others who might buy, be buying these trucks, uh, and, uh, to offset the costs of uh, the additional costs of, uh, zero emission trucks. And then over in Portland, the city council there is looking at an ordinance requiring all new multifamily and mixed use developments, uh, to provide uh, electric vehicle charging infrastructure. So I want to expand that, uh, to just make it easier for people who are renting to, uh, buy electric vehicles and make sure that the EV charging infrastructures is expanding to keep pace with the, you know, the, the pace that the state is hoping to shift, uh, shift the Market share of EVs. There, I got that sentence out. It took a second. Nice. I got it out. So, yeah. So, yeah, they're trying to, well, uh, so Portland's trying to put some requirements there into city code, and the state's trying to put some money behind
0: their targets for uh, zero emission truck sales. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Low income EV ownership is something you're hearing more and more about how to incentivize that. Yeah. And you know, this is a good
1: time for us to plug our upcoming webinar, looking at, uh, this stuff that coming up, uh, February 21st, we've got a webinar on the adoption of, or what utilities and others have to do to actually follow through on some of these state policy and state mandates for transportation electrification. We've got a great lineup of speakers. Uh, and it's looking at the Northwest, but uh, there certainly will be a discussion that applies beyond just the Northwestern states, so I certainly encourage listeners to go check that out. And uh, I, yeah, like I said, great nice. lineup. So. Awesome. But uh, on a totally unrelated note,
0: what's going on yep. with solar inverters these days? Well, there's been some problems identified with, uh, this is utility scale solar inverters. It's been a long running issue Uh, in 2021 in California, um, solar inverters were basically trip generation offline after line faults. And this happened in California and Texas in 2021. And then happened again in Texas in June 22. This is a a report from the North American Electric Reliability Corporation, which said there's a need for quote, immediate industry action Unquote on the inverter issue, uh, that Texas event in June 2022 was 2.5 gigawatts of generation that tripped offline. Not in an, an insignificant amounts. What NERC is really saying is, solar PV, you know, increases across the West. This will. This issue needs to be addressed. They're calling it a reliability uh, risk. What happened in ERCOT, it was a a surge arrestor failed at a synchronous generation facility near Odessa that caused a fault on the system. Uh, They would not tell me what power plant that was, which I wasn't sure. Synchronous generation can be coal, natural gas, nuclear or hydro. Um, So yeah, and inverters obviously on on solar resources. Um, so, in California in 2021, there was four Category 1 events in June, in between June and August. Uh, 27 solar PV facilities tripped offline. That was a 3.1 gigawatt event. Obviously, of some concern. We've right? been hearing about this for a while. There's a fir- firmware upgrade that is available. But what NERC said is this has not been implemented. Um, I ask who's responsible for doing that. They said, inverter manufacturers make regular updates to their products. Some updates are automatically rolled out to the fleet. Others are implemented upon request by the generator owner. NERT previously observed this abnormality in California in 2021, and it appeared again in Texas in 2022, which suggests the upgrades were not rolled out. So, yeah, a little bit of unforeseen problem with solar inverters. As you see, there's pretty large amounts of... um, Generation going offline there. So just yes. one. one mm-hmm.
1: Oh, I was just going to say this is certainly an issue that is only going to grow in importance. Yeah, as we continue to transition the uh, the resource portfolio mm-hmm. for the U.S. Yeah.
0: yeah, and of course we're seeing a lot more renewables in the West, along with you know electrification and all the other things we write about. Which I understand there's some commissioners you've been writing about that are a little bit, say they're a little bit overwhelmed with all this?
1: Yeah. So there's a interesting panel of, uh, there's a commissioner from Washington, Idaho, and Oregon on the panel at a recent Law Seminar International conference in Seattle on the energy markets in the West. And they were looking, or they were just talking about what's going on in the world of, uh, you know, utility regulators these days, at least in the Northwest. And, and they're just saying that, well, as, as two of them agreed, you know, citing the movie title they said it's kind of like, it feels like their docket is everything, everywhere, all at once these days. Mm-hmm. And one of them said, you know, frankly, they're kind of getting burned out. They're just so, there's so much that they have to do. So much is tra- changing, decarbonization, regional collaboration. Uh, you know, persistently, continuingly high natural gas costs, which you know we've yeah. seen some easing of, but uh, capacity shortfall concerns, etc. You know, just to name a few, and right. so they just yeah, it just a lot to handle. And like a lot of places, they've had staffing issues that are you know some of them are in the process of resolving, some are still trying to get caught up. Mm So yeah, it was an interesting conversation Um, and they, yeah, so we'll see. I'm curious. I'd like to follow up to see if this is causing a, if like, what are the effects of this? Is this slowing down the turnaround time for dockets or, um, you know, how are they, how is this affecting their Mm -hmm. ability to conduct their oversight that they have to do? Yeah. One thing. uh, one of them said, "Is I expect to see more reliance on third-party consultants in the future.
0: Well, yeah, this has been a topic in California for some time, too. CPUC just a massive amount of work and uh, proceedings and uh, data and things happening. So uh, hopefully they can get that worked out. And the staffing yeah. issue being a real, real thing, too. Yeah.
1: And, uh, the last story I've got for us today is an update on the Northern Plains connector project. So this is a high voltage line, 3000 megawatt capacity, high voltage, uh, DC line that is, proposed to be built connecting the East and the West. So we'll have a new, if this goes ahead or when this goes, if, and when this is ever built, so hopefully in my children's lifetime, uh, (laughs) <laughs> this will be another connection. Um, that's not editorializing. That is a somewhat legitimate sure. <laughs> analysis yes. of the speed of transmission projects these days. Um, so this will be a new line connecting the Eastern Eastern and Western grids in the U.S., of which I believe there are only eight DC connections now, so this would be a ninth one. It's uh, Grid United has been, this has been their project, uh, Elite, uh, Minnesota, Duluth, Minnesota based energy company, uh, has signed on to buy 35% of the line and to help operate it. So this would be the first, if built, it would be the first, uh, line connecting the Midwest interconnection, or I'm sorry, it would connect the, well, the Midwest and the, the West, but it would connect the, um, Mid-Continent Independent System Operator Service Territory, better known as MISO. The Western Interconnection, which is, you know, everything west of the Rockies, more or less. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the Southwest Power Pool. So, you know, three major yeah. service areas or, yeah you know, grids. So, uh, it's they are proposing, or they, they say they uh, hope to execute a development agreement in the first half of this year and they have a planned in service date uh twenty of twenty twenty nine. That's pretty quick. Yeah, that is a very aggressive timeline for transmission uh yeah projects. But
0: I know we'll see. uh, They're not talking, you know, a lot of the lines we see these days are talking about renewables. I don't see that word mentioned here. I see it's connecting to Cold Strip, Montana Yes, which
1: <laughs> will then, you know, which is because of the power plant there, there's uh, a you know, major line running to the west. Okay. So this will provide some, you know, this will be, first of all, for Montana's own uh, you know, distribution networks, this will provide a much needed second path into that state and access to other energy markets, which will provide, you know, give them a little bit more, uh, you know, reliability and capacity in times when the market's short. Cause right now they've got a very, they've basically got one connection, one significant connection into that state for transmission. So it can be a little tricky sometimes. Uh, and, but yeah, this will also provide, uh, you know, an important connection to the northwest market
0: and uh, so right. important development 2.5 billion i see wow yeah so we'll oh, see but we hear a lot of talk about transmission and how we need it so here we go
1: yeah well that's all from me dan Catchpole. thank you for listening uh, as always please rate and review this podcast wherever you listen pass it on to a friend or a colleague uh, you can find out more, or you can read more of our content at newsdata.com. Energy West is edited and produced by our colleagues at Pioneer Utility Resources and Lucky Sound Studio. You can find me. I'm on Twitter. I'm at dcatchpole and uh, clearing ups on Twitter at cu newsdata. That's the letters C and U
0: newsdata. I'm on Twitter at Fordney Energy and uh, California Energy Markets. Is also on Twitter at CEM newsdata. You can read more of our stuff at newsdata.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here next week. You've been listening to Newsdata's Energy West, a podcast about the energy industry today and where it's going tomorrow.